Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. AJ, Megan, Rudo coming to you. We're talking the top 15 greatest abs. We've got our list. We're going to make everybody mad because someone's at eight who should be at seven or something like that. And you're going to be salty about it. It's what we're here for, I guess. I, I think our list is pretty solid, though, especially if you watched our show last week that talked about the couple that just quite didn't make it. So if you include our honorable mentions, I think we did an okay job. I think it'd be pretty tough to complain too much. I don't think we did anything egregious, put it that way. Uh, This is always fun. I've always enjoyed putting together top lists like this because everybody sees things a little bit differently. Uh, I think everyone has their own opinions and views on how much credit any one given player deserves for something. So we'll see how it all plays out. Should we just jump right into it or do we want to? I would also, I would also say they are fun to make because everybody has a different lens that they view it through. And like, we all have a different valuation of like, Oh, well he never made an all-star team or who cares about the all-star game. Look at his postseason performance. Because I know last week when we did the episode, there were a couple of people who didn't make it. Yep. There were a couple of people who reached out and were like, how does Kadri not make the list? And it was like, he had one great yep. season, one insane postseason run. That Super was awesome. As far as all-time abs greats, yeah. there's just not enough there. Yeah, it right? was like yeah. one. And how do you place that in an all-time ranking? Especially when you get into like the, like the 13, 14, 15 range where you're like, you're valuing guys who have, you know, played here for a long time, yep. but didn't have as high of a peak. How do you value longevity versus peak? Like all these different things that come into the conversation, I think make it a very interesting one. And it was fun to make the list. And the the one thing that I like uh, about our top 25 overall list is just slowly being revealed every day. Yep. Uh, is just seeing that everybody's mad. <laughs> like which you can't make a list like that and just not have that be the case nobody's ever looked at that yeah. list and gone hey good job guys there's nothing more unifying than the anger of sports fans who think your take is bad <laughs> it it's it's funny because like i i understand being mad if you have a player who you like think should be in the top 10 and we're like dropping them in the 20s yeah I don't understand if you're mad because you're like, this guy should be 18 instead of 19. Yeah, like the, uh, so on our overall list, uh, I know we're doing a TDSP tomorrow talking yeah. about the top 25 uh, yep. and how it came together and kind of what it looked like and some of the some of the hard conversations uh, and like the big one, Jamal Murray, 
um, yeah. where he kind of fits here. From an avalanche perspective, I was the avalanche advocate in the room that day. Um, and the one thing that I left with that afternoon was I didn't go hard enough in the paint for Miko Rantanen. Um, because when we started stacking up like accomplishments and seasons yeah. and you start looking at Miko Rantanen's body of work and it's like, so this is actually really impressive. <laughs> so, um, you know, well, obviously we'll get to him. He is, he is definitely on this list yeah. that we are, we are doing today, but, yeah. um, it has been a fun experience and great August content. Like this is, <laughs> this is what August was made for. For sure. Um, okay, let's let's start with the list. Fifteen, uh, more recent edition, and as things, we will get to some classics as well. Uh, but fifteen is a defenseman from the current era, which is it's kind of interesting that you mentioned Kadri because it's not like this guy's been here any longer. Yeah, uh, I guess technically, you know, one year longer now. It will be when the season yeah. starts. Yeah, but Devon Taves. Coming in as the 15th best av. This one is interesting because I think there are plenty of arguments, as we've talked about, for who comes into this spot. But you're talking about a guy who is arguably top 10 in his position mm -hmm. in the entire NHL. Mm -hmm. Pretty much since he got here. And I think the other side of this that helps him is there have not been a ton of defensemen that are truly great in Avs history. Obviously, you have Blake, Foot, you have Bork, which we left off because of lack of time here, and then Kale. And, like, there are other good defensemen here, Tyson Berry, John Michael Lyles, but outside of Kale and Blake, no one has really been in that upper echelon of one of the top defensemen in the world. Foot, yeah. you can make that argument defensively, I guess, but... yeah. Taves, Taves was interesting specifically because Taves versus Rob Blake. Yeah. Very, very, very similar cases yep. of, you know, for, for Taves, it's more like two and a half seasons. Yeah. Uh, than three because his sure. first year in Colorado yeah. was that 56 game season. Yep. So statistically it cost him, but their points per game were almost identical. And both of them are top pairing defensemen probably playing in the shadow of another guy certainly Devon Taves is yeah and I think for a little bit Rob Blake was in the shadow of Ray Bork when Bork was here sure um so very similar cases there for those guys uh but with Taves it's just like one more good year yeah and I think you could see him jump for sure several spots on this list I think the potential for more good years like obviously one more good year, but mm -hmm. depending on how good that year is, I expect the Avalanche to want to keep Taves if it's at all possible. That mm -hmm. is a big if, and so I won't necessarily get carried away with how much longer Taves can be in an Avs uniform, but I think that's why he trumps some of the other considerations for defensemen in this list. I know Ozelinch was a name that came up a lot in creating this list, and I still think it's a tier below Taves and I, I just wanted to credit though Ozelinch especially for mm -hmm. the demands of the modern day defensemen I think have set this standard now of needing to be either the shutdown stay-at-home defenseman who is just so reliable in that end and physically punishing or 
be able to contribute production from the blue line. And Ozil Lynch, I think, was stepping into the production side of things. And that is now just a requirement of a lot of modern defensemen. Mm-hmm. And so that distinction is one I wanted to make. But this is where Taves, I think, starts to take off running in the conversation of top greatest abs is the leadership component, I think, with this next year and the absence of Eric Johnson and not having Landis Gog in the room. Taves is someone who could step into a greater leadership role because that has already been something he's toyed with in Colorado. And then, of course, a lot of what has brought both Taves and Makar's success has been how well they've played together. And they've emerged as some of the best defensemen in the league. I think that's not that controversial of an opinion to say as much. And so he's very properly rated, at least in making this list. I think he certainly deserved to be there. Yeah, I, I agree that he deserves to be on there. And continuing the Kadri versus Taves comparison that we've kind of done here. At the end of Kadri's time here, it was more of a, yep, that guy's going to leave is what it is. And there's been a lot more buzz with Taves going into his last year of this contract here of like, boy, can the Evs keep this guy, I hope? Can they find a way to, to sort this out? With Kadri, it was like, if he wants to take a super team-friendly deal, I guess. But with Taves, it's like, maybe you just pay him. Maybe you just do it. So I, I do think there is a lot more positive vibes towards Taves as far as he's been so good that maybe the abs just have to find a way to keep him, And that's the yeah. kind of stuff that pushes you onto this list. Yeah. And when you consider, you know, talking about comparing him to Ozil Lynch in, in particular, um, Ozil Lynch's points per game was higher, but his defensive game was rough. Yeah. Um, and especially in that era where it was like, teams were like, we need one of these. <laughs> we need one. And Sanus Ozelinch was exceptional at that at being at that guy. But Devon Taves has the, the of, among like longtime abs, guys that have played a, a bunch of games. Um Devon Taves being third in points per game while also being a top pairing defenseman is just like everything that he's done in Colorado. You know, if if Sam Gerard has a bad year, Devon Taves could pass him on the points leaderboard yeah. this year. Uh and he has half the games in Colorado. Like it's, you know, he's already ninth amongst Avs defensemen ever. He has 199 games played. The guy, the guy has been insanely productive, um, and just the the Devon Taves experience has been, you know, like we were we kind of had this conversation this spot in particular, um, like Devon Taves versus like Chris Drury, you know, guys like that where. It was really hard to value, but I think yeah. Taves being a top, like upper echelon guy is why he ended up on a, onto this list. On the cup team, too. One of the it, best players yeah. on a team that won. Yeah, the a top thing. pairing defenseman on a on yeah. a championship team is one of those things that should always be valued. Like a little extra bump. You know, as great as Chris Drury was, like Chris Drury fifth banana on some of those yeah, cup like, teams. Like yeah. you're talking like he's, you know, by the end of it was like their fourth best forward. Yeah. But um, you're still you're your fourth best forward. And Devon Taves has never been lower than Colorado's second best defenseman. Yep. So um, uh, just a, uh, I'm happy to take extra time on 15 because I think these next couple There's, will go pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I I am interested on 14 because Devon Taves is pretty universally loved by Abs fans 
for the most part. 14, there are some people who don't love because he left to go home in Paul Stasny. Yeah. Uh, Whatever your feelings are on about how that free agency played out, I think a lot of people forget how good Paul Stasny was when he was in Colorado. He still has one of the best rookie seasons of the last 20 years. Yep. He doesn't win the he doesn't win the Calder because he goes up against an all-time great. But Paul Stasny had a really good Colorado Avalanche career. Yeah. It just didn't get to another level. It never got to be elite. And then the way that he left it's what it is. Yeah. yeah. I think just left enough bad taste in people's mouths, but I was happy having giving him respect for that longevity, knowing that there's a decent chance that a Bowen Byram knocks a guy like this off a, some a list like this in a few years. For sure. It's it, when it comes to Stasny, it, it sometimes it's hard for me to rank him because he had incredible seasons playing next to incredible players. When he gets to play with Joe Sackick, when he gets to play yeah. with some of these all-time greats, dude's putting up point-per-game seasons. Yeah. And then the Avs kind of spiral out into this era of Duchesne and O'Reilly also being there. You're looking at, yeah. well, is Paul Stasny to 3C now on this team? How things really fit? You know, I I wonder if he had stayed in Colorado, if his perception would have dipped given you look at the rest of his career outside of Colorado and his play fell off relatively quickly. Yeah. But he played all of his best hockey here. So is, does he get credit for that? Is that just, Hey, he was really, really good while he was here. And that's why he's on this list. He definitely earned some credit. It's tough because a few of these names fall victim to some tough years of avalanche hockey. That's definitely true. But during those years, Stasny was among some of these other names that was believed to be, the future, the, the part of the young core, the core. And there's a reason for that belief being held within the fan base that isn't unfounded. And unfortunately, too, because I think we talk about, you know, if if not for Connor Timmins and injury, would Darcy Kemper have been the goaltender to bring the Avs to the cup that year? Mm-hmm. And it's one of those necessary evils, like if not for Stasny departure, d- departure, would necessary additions be brought to Colorado if he had stayed on? I think that Stasny was a part of the decision-making um, in him leaving free for free agency, yep. just like a necessary evil that brought about returns that led to a little bit of a changing over. Um, I think that this was something that was building, but we talk about the years of like Shagir and Nat and the team sort of switching to not wanting to be the team that loses and needing to take some pride in that. And I think that this is just, it's not that Stasny was attached to the culture that was okay with losing. It just was sort of this, I'm trying to think there's a better way for it, but you know, it's a purging that needed to happen um, to make way for some of the new players that would ultimately become Colorado's young core that does get them to the cup in the end. And it's, it's tough decision-making, but I look around teams in the league and I think that they're going to find themselves in a similar place where they have a perfectly capable player that could be a part of their future. But there are other problems within the team that 
need to be addressed. And in order to address those problems, it might mean parting ways with a player. And Stasny, to me, is a reflection of that. Because I think, honestly, I know O'Reilly comes up in conversations too. These are players that I think of very similarly in that way that they probably could have stayed in Colorado and had continued success. But would the team around them have gotten to where they needed to be? Really hard for that guy to be your best player. Yep. Yep. And that's kind of true of this like cluster of players that we're going to yeah. get into right now. They all come from that era and they all come from, I think they deserve recognition among top 15 avalanche players of all time, but are not the best, the best, but yeah. they're not in top tens for a reason, you know, that they're they're They were very, very good NHL players, but they were not the elite ones. They could not be the best players of teams that went and made postseasons. Uh, even making the postseason regularly was not a thing that was happening during this era of, yep. of the Avalanche. So, uh, <laughs> let alone having a deep run. Yep. Well, take everything Megan just said, copy paste it for number thirteen, because that's Matt Duchesne. Yep. Uh, almost like to a word, the same situation. The Avs did uh, actually trade him instead of him walking in free agency, though, and that trade turned out pretty well. Also, his decision, though. He did. He was the one who requested his trade. That is true. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, almost exactly the same as the Stasny trade. A guy who probably wasn't good enough to be your best player, but was put in that situation anyway. Yeah. And uh, look, any other team would be happy to have him and has been happy to have him since he's moved on. But he's not Nathan McKinnon. He's not. Joe Sackett, he's not Peter Forsberg. He can't be that guy. We've established that pretty clearly. And that doesn't take away from the fact that he is currently top 10 all-time in avalanche points. So Yeah, and I mean, he had he had an iconic moment in for the franchise, too. Yep. Getting them you back know. to the playoffs yeah, and stuff. The, yep. the, the shootout winner against Vancouver, that they made the postseason, and it was such a shock. And Yep. You know, it was, it, it felt like the Avs were back. Like, okay, hey, they had one bad year. Sackett retired. They draft Duchesne. They make the postseason. He's the guy that that backpacks them to the playoffs that year. Like, it was his rookie year. Oh, my God, he's going to be amazing. Everything is looking up. He was an Avs fan as a, as a kid. This is the greatest story that's been, ever been told in hockey history behind Ray Bork. This is going to be so amazing. I can't wait for this. And then, of course, we know how it ended. And it was like tough. But we know how it ended. Wink. Because yeah, it was heartbreaking, I think, for all the reasons you just mentioned. The yeah. sentiment of what he meant to the Avs during what was very difficult years. And for me personally, some of my first memories in real time as an Avs fan were because of Matt Duchesne. Yeah. And so my mom like no one in my family watched or played hockey growing up and so i brought them into the fold and my mom owns a duchene jersey that was a player that created a lot of memories for her as well and so it's important to note even during some of those dark years the positive memories that were made that were forward movement that were still necessary in the history of the avs and getting them to a cup in the end because we do look at how this aged and with Duchesne, there's obviously such a high skill upside, very similar to Stasny. Had he stayed, probably would have continued to play individually good hockey. But yeah. the problem was there were greater issues beyond individually good hockey. And yep. 
as we saw in Nashville, what Colorado needed was more than just an individually good player, but the kind of player yeah. that can bring a team across the finish line. Yep. And this is where Duchesne has struggled is he has so much individual talent, but it is difficult for him to be that impact player on the entirety of a team. Yep. And that's what Colorado desperately needed. And I think that's you know where a player like Landis Gog comes into the equation, bringing about leadership qualities out the gate, becomes such an important part of their history. That was just a really necessary player to sort of step into the role of young core. We're going to build around this guy. And it's not a demerit of Duchesne and the accomplishments that he had in Colorado and throughout his career. It just what Colorado needed was a different sort of player. And that couldn't have been Duchesne. But it doesn't make the memories he made here any less great or fun to reflect on. Yeah, I, I also owned a Duchesne jersey. So did I. The only name jersey I've ever had, actually. It's the only one I've ever bought as an adult for the Avalanche. There you go. I still don't own any. I'm a blank jersey. For the best. Blank jersey girl. But you know what? McCarr has Maybe. come close. There you has go. come there very you go. close. Yeah. If I was still in the jersey buying business, that would be one I would own. Yeah. Definitely. Number 12, one of two goalies on the list. Yeah. Pretty definitively the second best goalie in Avs history so far. Semyon Varlamov. Varlamov. Uh, if only Jesse were in the chat. Yeah, he would. He'd be happy now. Uh, his look when he was at his best, he was unbelievable. Yeah, his his peak was <laughs> so good, and honestly, would probably be higher on this list if it wasn't for injury. Yeah, uh, and like he had his own inconsistency inconsistency issues. Um, the quality of the team in front of him was always a question mark. Definitely. Um, but Varley, Varley was very, very good. And I've long maintained that I felt he was the most underrated player in Avalanche history because he was a goalie. I mean, he was their starter for, what, eight years? Like, Something like that, yeah. That's a long time to be a starter. As we have, we've seen more successful guys, you know, in terms of team success. Um, not come anywhere close to staying for eight years, you know, to not even getting second contracts with the Avalanche. Yep. But Varley was the first guy post wah that was a serious starter, was the real deal. And they got so much good hockey out of him. I, I just, Varley was, I think it's, I think it's just easy enough to say Varley was really good, was not, at the caliber of the players that are ahead of him on this list, but he was here for a long time and his peak was really good. And those are the kind of things that we juggled um, where his peak was among the very best in the league. And one of the guys that didn't get on this list was Eric Johnson. Yeah. was probably the hardest omission, honestly, because uh, trying to measure here for a long time, but also how good was this player at his best? Yeah. Um, and for me, Varley was just better at his position than EJ was at his. Um, and although EJ did get to win that, you know, he was on that cup team. He was like their fourth, yeah. fifth guy. Yeah, it, it was, it had fallen off for yeah. sure. And so that's where, that's where I think like valuing some of these, these guys that were there not for the for cup runs um, was tough. And with Varley, I just think he was there for a long time. He was good. It's 
uh, funny. We, we've talked about our two guys, three guys now on this list where it's like, yeah, they were part of that team and they were really good, but they just didn't quite fit. Things didn't quite work out. It feels like Varley is the one that it didn't work out for <laughs> on those teams. He's the guy yeah. who deserved better. And yeah. it's tough because, you know, I think the injuries are what ultimately really crept up on him. For sure. And it's a shame then that some of the best years of his hockey when he was most capable of it were backstopping some really tough avalanche teams. And yeah. I think that's what makes someone mentioned that 2013-14 season in the chat. I think that's what makes winning the Central that year, you know, he's such a huge part of that. And also another player who won was sort of the introduction to caring about goalies to the degree that I do now was because I saw how much heart and effort Varlamov could play with and the end results didn't always matter. Um, sometimes they were just, you know, sometimes he was battling against the team in front of him just as much as he was the team opposite him. And definitely some issues with inconsistencies that I also would attribute to just some unfortunate injury luck. But he kept some of those dark years a little bit better for the Avalanche in what he was able to do. Yeah, hard to hard to feel like the the Avs didn't get what they paid for with the first and second round pick. Yep, uh, for Varley, where it was like for a team for a team that was coming off of such a bad season when they got him um, to then turn around and immediately be competitive again with him and Net. Yep. And they, they didn't really ever bottom out when he was their starter, like their full season. He, he dragged them to the murky middle, at least. <laughs> yeah, and like like they they had the 2013 season yeah. that was 48 games, and yep. they were at the bottom of the league in that, but you know, half of a season, it's like, okay. Yeah. But he was, he was good and competitive, and I know a lot of people give him shit for that game seven against Minnesota. Um, where the Avs just kept blowing one goal leads all game. Mm -hmm. But also, they don't ever get to game seven without him. For like, sure. They, if he had gotten any help, any help, they just won on the game in, the, in any of the games that were in Minnesota, yeah. where they were getting bodied, they were getting outshot two to one in every one of those games. If it's not for Varley, they don't even make that game seven. Yeah. So uh, I think that gets lost in Avalanche history a little bit because how that series did turn out was such a painful um, like thing for that era of the abs. Uh, number 11, it, we've kind of already talked about him, probably don't have a ton to say, but the first yeah. Hall of Famer on the list and Rob Blake. Yeah. Uh, obviously, his the slice of his career in Colorado was not short, but he wasn't here for that long. Yeah. Just very, very good when he was here. Obviously, part of the ON Cup team. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, a, that a top pairing. Everything I said about Demonte is <laughs> yep. just more true for Rob Blake. Yep. So that one's pretty straightforward. Probably a guy who might fall down this list a little bit over the next five, six years, depending on how yeah. other players perform. Look, like but if Bo Byron becomes the guy that we think and stays here for a long time, if Devontae stays for a while, yep. both of those guys could pass him up. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I guess it would be hard for anybody else immediately. Georgiev resigns maybe yeah, in that like, conversation. Like we're a long way off from anybody else being able true. to push him. That's true. Those are the two obvious candidates. Yeah. Yeah. Four seasons after he wins a cup in Colorado yep. as an alternate. <laughs> I always go back to the leadership component when I'm 
it, it evaluating counts. these it types counts, of lists. Yeah. And that's where someone like Taves has potential to, one, if he were to get another cup in Colorado, yeah, that would very easily change that conversation. But it is a little bit the longevity with Blake, I think. Which players have the chance to surpass, though? Like, we're not talking the longest amount of time in Colorado. So it's, it's an interesting one. But he absolutely belongs there because yeah. his contributions to the 01 Cup were significant in production. So, And like, he was so good in that final yeah, against New Jersey. He was a monster. Was. Like, you go back. I remember we will re, when we rewatched it during yep. COVID. Yep. Um, watching Ray Bork run out of gas. By years game old. six like of that just, series, he was done. You could, yeah. you could just tell, like, Bork was just, his body was done with the, being an NHL player. And Rob Blake is just doing so much heavy lifting at that point. He was he was awesome in that series. Yeah, well, we're talking Av's greatest top 15, but top sandwich shop at DU. I'm so obsessed with Snarfs. <laughs> yeah. I've always loved it, but somehow it's entered my world again yeah, it's back and i've been ordering it a lot more lately <laughs> love it it's been an incredible time well you can get a damn good sandwich at snarfs with perfect bread cheese and meat ratios uh they've been serving up hot sandwiches here in colorado since 1996 that first location was in boulder but they do have other locations now so you can get it near you uh they have all sorts of options besides sandwiches they've got salads, sides desserts they also have a burger joint that they've opened a couple of places for if burgers are more your thing uh it's almost over there's still time in august to get their special for the month a cubano uh it can get uh slow roasted pork ham melted provolone spicy mustard and crunchy pickles all on a delicious sandwich over at snarfs so if you haven't gone down there you gotta get yourself a snarf sandwich uh, of course, they also deliver, too, if that's your thing. You can download the Snarfs app for online ordering and delivery. You can also join Snarf Rewards and receive $5 off uh, any order of $10 or more when you join. There are also member-only offers, including birthday gifts and referral points. So give them a try for yourself. Uh, we also have them at our Broncos tailgates this year. So I went to lunch there yesterday. Good Snarfs. stuff. Yeah. I was a little intimidated because the parking lot was so full when I pulled in, but I was like, it's Snarfs. Of course it's like this. <laughs> what kind of sandwich did you get? That's between me and God. <laughs> I've gotten some. Very, I told Rudo I ordered a tuna sandwich to, for delivery. That just was a bit too much. The Cubano sounds delightful, though. I need to try that. I'll stick with my hot dog and bacon sandwich. I'm good. Low key, the uh, peanut butter and banana one that they do. Top tier. It's. It's a really good change of pace sandwich, if that's like what you're after. There you go. Something for everybody. Yeah. Uh, we're also brought to you by the American Raptors. Be sure to go follow our guy, Colton Strickler, at DNVR Rugby. Uh, he will get you fully covered with all sorts of crazy rugby coverage, top to bottom. Uh, he's amazing at what he does. And, and the rugby here is amazing. The men's and women's <clears> 15 <throat> teams both practice at Infinity Park. So you can get some of the best rugby in the country here uh, we are going to have some watch parties for the matches this year for the American Raptors, uh, a bunch of other stuff as well. So go check them out. If you haven't, you can follow the DNVR Rugby podcast as well. If you're new, Colton will give you 101 pods that break down the game and teach you how to play. Uh, of course, you know, the Infinity Park itself is just awesome. We yeah. talk it up all the time. It's just a great place to go and hang Beautiful out. Facility. Yep. Can't go wrong with that. So. Get down there. Go watch yourself some American Raptors games. Uh, enjoy some awesome rugby. Uh, and, yeah, hit up hit up the NVR rugby. Do the thing. 
Uh, you can go to AmericanRaptors.com to get tickets. And, of course, you can also find streaming of the games if you can't make it out there. So go check them out. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Breaking into the top ten. This is the guy whose placement on the list I was probably most uncomfortable with. It's... I just... I, I, didn't, I didn't feel good when I made a list with him. At 15, I didn't feel good. If I made a list with him at 7, I didn't feel good. Where he is at 10, I don't feel good. I don't know what to do with him. I don't remember who it was. I'm so excited. It, it, it is. Well, so here's the thing, because I think we're going to get into a conversation about how important are big moments. Yeah. Because at 10 is Alex Tangay. Obviously, the 01 Cup, he's the guy who scores the big goal, yada, yada, yada. He is a very good player, but I don't think anyone would call him a great player. Has a decent amount of longevity with the Avs, does leave and come back, do that whole thing, and then leave again. But <laughs> he's also a bit of a weird player, the facilitator type of player, pass-first style, so often does not have many of those big, fancy highlights. That said, six 20-goal seasons in Colorado. Like was Six of them. Yep. Like, you know, he never he never cracks uh, 80 points in an Av sweater. Yep. He got to 79, so it's like... <laughs> Close I really, enough. I really picked the line yeah. there. But, like, was a really, really, really good player. In Colorado, that 79 point season happened in 69 games. Like he was really good at his absolute best, but also 600 games played in Colorado. So there was longevity. There was a high watermark there. He was very, where he, at his best, he was very good. Yep. And then obviously when you have two goals in game seven of the Stanley cup final, you produce one of the iconic moments in franchise history. Like, it just, it goes down forever. Like, this was, he's a legitimate top-line player who had longevity, who had a great peak, produced an iconic moment. That's, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm just like, okay. Like, those are all great arguments. That gets you into the top ten. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's why I'm comfortable with him ahead of Blake. Um, but it it also is one of those, it does feel very what-if-y. Because yeah. had he produced the kind of career, if you go and look, if you blindly put Alex Tangay's career next to Milan Hayduk's career, it's not close. Yeah, they're they're almost identical, honestly. Really, I mean, overall I career, Colorado careers, uh, okay. Milan Hayduk's way surpassed overall that. career. Fine, yeah. yeah. But if their whole careers, they're almost identical in terms of games played and points. So they were the same caliber of player. And we have Milan Hayduk much higher on this list because he played a thousand games in Colorado and Alex Tangate didn't. Yep. And you just wonder what if, how different is Avalanche history if those guys, if Milan Hayduk is the one that gets traded and Alex Tangate is the one that stays? Probably not. It probably changes nothing about the history other than Alex Tangate probably doesn't become captain at some point. But they, because the caliber of players that they were were so similar. But with Tangate, he did. He did leave. You know, he got traded twice, so it's not like he walked in free agency. But I'm, that's that's probably why he's a little bit lower than some of these other guys here. I'm, I'm curious with Megan on Tangay, and I don't know how much you'll remember of his return. But it, is it are some people, especially on the younger side, a little bit shaded, jaded with Tangay? 
because he was not that great in his second stint in Colorado. No, thankfully the fan base did enough in how they felt about him from the previous stint that that's how I also <coughs> felt. Okay. Um, so my association with him was the first time around with the Colorado Avalanche. A lot of respect, a really consistent player in terms of production down to his last year in Colorado before he was traded. And so that is how I even remember him. I was at a Good. charity event in an old job, old life, <laughs> and Eric Johnson Tyson Berry and Tangay were there, and I got the choice to see who I wanted a picture with, and I picked Tangay. Nice. And I think that just captures that even though I didn't get to live through some of these moments as an Avs fan in the early days, yeah. I have a lot of respect for how I feel about players, and it's shaped around how this fan base has felt about players. And so how this fan base feels about Tangay is something that I could sense, even as a young hockey fan, just beginning to learn about who some of these players were retroactively. <laughs> Good job, Avs fan base. Good job, Proud Avs of fan you. base. Yeah. Yeah. You, you raised me well. His second to last season, he had a 20-goal season. So, like, Avs fans should not have been too upset about it. But I know his last year here when he got it traded. It was bad. He had four yeah. goals in 50 games. Like, yeah. it was – he was very, very, very obviously at the finish line there. He had a reputation for going offside a lot in that yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah, that last year. It was really annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, a, a good career, though. Yeah, outside I, of the one, he had one year in Tampa Bay. Nothing worked. <laughs> he had like thirty-five yeah. points in eighty games. Like it was a. You're going through this guy's career, and you're like, wow, this is going well. This is going well. Yeah. What the hell? This is just a really good player. He'd been in, he'd been a really good player for like a decade in the NHL at that point, <laughs> and he shows up in Tampa Bay, has a terrible season, leaves, and is immediately good again. Florida he, man, just such a just Florida such an man. odd <laughs> career. Um, Alex Tangay. Just warm fuzzies all around. He yep. was very likable. And then he now he's a coach. Is he still in the wild system? I think so. As, as one of their I, assistant yeah, coaches for the AHL team. I think so. Traitor. <laughs> Him and McLeod enjoying it out there. Uh, getting a number nine, getting back into some modern guys. Megan, uh, if you want to take the the leadership on this one. Gabe Leidiscog. Logan O'Connor. <laughs> just, just kidding. Top 15 all time. <laughs> oh, my God. There was somebody who was mad at us for not putting GT Comfort on our list. Oh, get out of here. That's yeah. not happening. Uh, we, we didn't have we didn't mention him at all in the show last week of guys who missed it. And so they were like, oh, he has to be on the list. And I was like, he's not. And they were like, how? Nazem Kadri would be on the list. Briefly in our underrated JT. conversation yesterday. JT was. I, so. I, I think there's a point to be made there sometimes but not so underrated that he's top 15 all-time abs yeah <laughs> yeah uh but Gabe Landeskog is our number nine uh I know like mechanically this team has had more than two captains but let's be real the Colorado Avalanche have only had two captains and one of them is Gabe Landeskog <laughs> sorry I was just processing that statement no, yeah We've had two captains and two placeholders. Yep. I can accept that. <laughs> you know, the foot and Hayduk captaincy years were like, thanks for the memories, captains. And Even, yeah, Hayduk relinquishing his captaincy. Yeah. Like, no, no, and, no, please. And, like, keep in mind, both of those guys are higher than Gabe Leidiscog on this list. So yeah. I'm not, like, knocking on them. I'm just, there are very clearly two people that will be remembered as captains in Avalanche history. Gross. Tangay's with Detroit now. This is he's the ultimate trader. He, <laughs> he took that last trade really hard. 
Gabriel Landeskog. <laughs> he just... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the hard part with this one is because of where we are currently. Because if he's healthy right now, we're having a conversation of like, does he finish top five all time? I think if he if he comes back and he has a solid, let's say, last like five years of his career, he definitely, I think, passes Milan Hayduk. That doesn't get him to top five, but sure. I mean, it, him him jumping foot in Hayduk, I think, is the most realistic thing he can do. I agree. Because there are a few guys ahead I of just, him that I just are don't, he's destroying got, the universe. He's yeah. got three guys that are already ahead of him in our eyes. Yep. That are on this team, that are healthy, and that I just think are their production is just going to be so phenomenal that you just can't. I agree. I agree. So, and then it, for him to pass up any of the Holy Trinity Part One, yeah, in Sackick Forsberg would take Wall, something Herculean. Yeah, it, it would take him having a Joe Pavelski like thirties. Mm. He'd come back from injury, and uh, you know, ages wonderfully. Gets into age 38, 39, and is still productive at a really high level at that. And is still captain and is still a gorgeous human. <laughs> and, you know, all those things, like all the, the whole Gabe Landeskog experience just continues. It's tough with Landeskog because with where we're at with injury and not being sure then if what his contributions on ice could even look like moving forward. And I think that's a really fair point. But it's hard not to account for all of the contributions we know to be true off ice through this point. And that goes back to Bednar describing him as another coach, like an extension of having a coach. And his pulse for players in the room and executing what was needed in Colorado culturally. And then just the individual accolades, you know, Calder, captaincy, especially as one of the youngest captains, mm -hmm. the youngest captain. At the time, yes. At the time. Um, it's really hard. Okay. So I'm looking at that amount of things and then the possibility for continued, um, influence, even if his on ice contributions dwindle, you know, we're looking at, okay, he does, maybe he does return to play, but he's just not quite the same player he was. Yeah. The off ice contributions, I think are something that can persist beyond his days as a player. And if he were to hold a front office position with the Avs one day, this is where I think that he has the potential to maybe topple the first part of that holy trinity. I still think it will be really challenging because that enters a Sackic-like territory. And that's where I think Landeskog has that potential. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself in doing some future telling there as well. But I do think that the influence he's had on the team through this point on a personal level has been very profound and has a lot to do with who the Colorado Avalanche are as a, as a team, their identity today. It's uh, two things. One, you mentioned the consistency with Tange, absolutely there with Landis Cog as well. Basically mm -hmm. an automatic 20 goal guy throughout his career. Yeah, I think the only healthy season he had where he wasn't a 20 goal guy was the terrible year. Uh, was 16, 17. He yep. had like 17 or 18, 18 goals. 18, yeah. Yeah, 18 goals that year and like 35 points. And again, that's almost like the mid-career Tange season in Tampa Bay. Yep. Where just out of nowhere, this guy just has a terrible year. And and honestly, since then, with the rise of the Avs, you've also seen the rise of Gabe Landeskog. Yep. He turns into a 60-point guy, a 75-point season in 18, 19, point-per-game years in, in 21 and 22. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the injury has now sidetracked a lot of that. But 
was certainly on a pace to do a lot of impressive things and still could get back to that pace. And where the conversation gets interesting at the top for me is like, hey, if he comes back, continues to be captain, and the Avs win another cup or two. Yeah. Yeah. Another cup. Then you have, you start saying, you know, all right, this guy's captained a couple of cup teams here. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, I think him chasing down Hayduk and Foot, if he can come back from injury, I think is realistic. Yeah. Very realistic at that. Uh, But I don't, I, I think him trying to crack any of the guys that are ahead of that would be really I, I just it would be really hard yep it's es- hard especially because missing two full seasons and him being the age that he is you know him him coming back after not playing in the nhl for two years and he's in his early 30s i think it would be a, a really big ask for him to just be like oh well hey yeah i'm still a, i'm still a 25 45 <laughs> guy you know yeah like, i just i think that would be really really hard i my personal hope is he comes back and is at least a 50 point player. 20, 30 guy yeah. or something. Yeah. And if he's, if he's at least a 50 point player and he's able to maintain that for a number of years and they, he does captain another cup team. Yeah. He jumps both of the, both Hey, do Uh Number eight, maybe the guy who I think will move up this list a lot in the next handful of years, Miko Rantanen. Yeah. Uh, we, you don't need us to tell you the season he just had set the Avs goal record yeah. over 100 points. Obviously, he's a monster, has been great in the playoffs. He's it, been historically great in yeah. the playoffs. Not just like, wow, this guy's had a good playoff mm-hmm. career. Historically great. It's funny because I recall conversations in the playoffs of games that he would appear to disappear, but then he would reappear in such a big way that I think the conversation around me Rantanen has changed so much in a year's time. Cause I think that used to be something that people could entertain more readily that Rantanen struggled with consistency, but I think that he has laid a lot of that to rest in this last year and what he was able to do with a lot of his team out due to injury, including the small absence of Nathan McKinnon. It sort of allowed Rantanen's star to shine a little brighter. And I think Rantanen is what poses the biggest problem for Landeskog rising in this list is a few of these players if you're looking at another cop in Colorado presumably each of these players is also a part of that and that just adds to their overall accomplishments in Colorado as well and so Rantanen in this last year that he had as well he has reached new heights in terms of the maturity and the leadership that he now brings to the table the obvious production the 50 goal season like it just Mm -hmm. he he really took off running with this thing and i think as you guys have mentioned with the potential to be one of the players to move up the most in this list Mm -hmm. the trajectory that he's on is a fast upward one anybody was curious uh as i was a few seconds ago miko rantanen has a higher postseason points per game than either Joe Sackick or Peter Forsberg. Yeah. And that's with 70 games played. So not, it's not like it's not like a few. Yeah. 22 where he got hot one time. That's a 70 games played. Greatness. That's almost a yeah. full season's worth of playoff games. Yeah. In which he is a he's been a postseason monster. He has already blown past Milan Hayduk in postseason scoring. He has 87 points in 70 games. Milan Hayduk had 76 in 112. Yep. So like we're talking <laughs> about a completely different caliber of player from even Milan Hayduk in the playoffs. Yep. In in terms of our so he did not he Miko Rantanen did not make the top 25 Colorado at all time. List. Yeah. I'm a little upset about and it. And 
I'm, I'm, I, I think he should be higher on. I think he should be ahead of Adam Foot on this list. So I mean, I think talk, we underrated Miko Rantanen. I, there are th- there, it's hard, and we'll get. We'll talk I know, about it, but like, I know, Miko Rantanen is the sleeping giant in all of Colorado sports. Like, I know Nuggets fans feel a certain way about Jamal Murray, and Kale's our producer today, so I'm about to trigger <laughs> the him. Show just cuts. But like, <laughs> like, like, like. Like Miko Rantanen is a guy that like as as great as Jamal Murray has been in the postseason in his career, I don't know that Jamal Murray ends up in the Hall of Fame. I do think Miko Rantanen is headed to the Hall of Fame. Me too. And he is here's if he continues doing if he even does five more years at this caliber before a, you oh, know a, a somewhat of a drop. He's a he's a hard lock. He's, <laughs> he's an easy Hall of Famer, and he rockets up the Colorado list. Yep. If they win another cup. And he maybe sneaks into a Con Smythe conversation because he got lost in that cup run. And I think that hurts him a little bit is that he got lost in that cup run as was he even their third best player? Was he their fourth <laughs> best player? Because Devon Taves was awesome. Down the Chushkin was awesome. I, I feel like that's not a knock on Miko and more of just a holy shit. That team was so good. It was, it was <laughs> but we're talking about like all time great performances here. The team's best run Rantanen's best postseasons, in my opinion, this last one against Seattle. Yeah. He was incredible in that series. Yeah. And the bubble against Dallas. Yeah. That entire, those two rounds, that whole thing, Miko was awesome. And their deepest run is not his best run. And I think that dings him just like ever so slightly because it's not like he was bad. He was still very productive. Um, but it was just with Miko. I think he's the sleeping giant that has a chance. I think. I think there's a chance that Miko Rantanen runs down Peter Forsberg. Here's historically in Colorado. It's, he, that's future telling. But well, he's got that kind of future. Here's the thing with Miko for me because it's made me face my cynicism as an adult. <laughs> yeah. Because. I, certainly, I, we have commonly on the pod looked at Miko and gone like, "Man, he's played terrible tonight, but somehow he always ends up with two points." It's, it's ridiculous it's how he so does annoying. it. It's the most annoying thing in the world. And as an adult, it's annoying. But as a kid, if Peter Forsberg was having a bad game, Kid Rudo would just be like, "Ah, oh, it's fine. He'll score. Don't worry about it. It's coming. It'll he's, happen." He's Peter Forsberg. Yeah, that's what he does. And like, as an adult, I'm trying to get through that barrier of like, no, that's just also who Miko Rantanen is. It, yeah. It'll just score eventually. It's just going to happen. Stop being mad about it. <laughs> so, That's and we've really come good. to expect that out of him. Yeah, when he's having a bad game, we're like, we know what's coming. Yep, there'll be a big moment in the third period. They need to tie it up, and he'll rocket a one timer. <laughs> Guy's been awful all night, <laughs> and he'll rocket a one timer top shelf, and they'll tie the game. And you're like, fucking Miko. Is it how he gets his fiftieth goal? Kind of a big reflection of all of this, like yeah. a pretty bad game otherwise, not necessarily at the hands of Miko, but. <laughs> Oh, it just feels very poetic that that's how he reaches that milestone in a very Miko Rantanen fashion. It sums him up quite well. Uh, number seven and number six we can do together, I think. Uh, we've already talked about Milan Heyduk a lot, yeah. uh, who is number six. Number seven is Adam Foote. Uh, <clears throat> kind of the the core pieces of that first generation that aren't the superstars, but are yeah. the, the guys that are help completing the core. Foot is hard from a statistical place because sure. it's really easy to look at all the forwards and go, all right, well, look at these guys. Look at how often they score and look at all this and look at all that. Adam Foot was a top tier 
defensive defenseman in his era. Yep. Like played on Team Canada. Yep. Like he was an upper echelon player. The way that we look at like a Jacob Slavin today, <laughs> certainly they're very different styles of <laughs> players. But mechanically fill the same role. Yeah, but yeah. that that high end defensive defenseman, he was a top pairing defenseman on a cup team in '96. Adam Foote was a monster. Yep. He was so good. And where this, like, I can understand people feeling like Miko should be ahead of foot. But for me, I'm like the lot, like hanging on to this last bastion of Adam <laughs> foot respect in Colorado. Yeah, one more year because <laughs> now all of a sudden the abs are known as like this, like, like home for great defense. Yeah. And for a long time that, that has not been the case. <laughs> Adam foot was the gold standard of long time and good time guy in Colorado on that defense. Um, you know, just with Blake and Bork both having abbreviated avalanche careers. Sure. Adam Foote stayed for a long time. He The only reason that he left was cap issues. He goes to Columbus, <laughs> hates it, and comes back home and finishes it out with an iconic final ship, which <laughs> was awesome and full of penalties that should have been called. It was just perfect. like his no whole notes. career. Yeah. But, I mean, he was, <laughs> you want to talk about being, like, right guy in a right era, like a product of his era. Yep. Um, would have struggled a bit to be that same kind of caliber of player in today's game. Yep. But also produced big moments. Uh, you know, I mean, he he scores a goal in that Stanley Cup final against the Devils that most of us remember. He is, I, I just, for me, this is like a, <laughs> he statistically is not going to hold up. AJ loves defensemen. That's what but, this is. But I mean, he was a, he was an elite defensive defenseman yeah, of his generation, and I thought that 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 once upon a time there could have been a case for him sneaking into the Hall of Fame. I'm okay with it. I'm okay so. with it. Not, but when you consider his international accomplishments, and when you consider how that gets taken into account in the Hockey Hall of Fame, I would have been okay with that. I'm okay with him. Not. I get it. You have to draw a line somewhere. But um, I thought he certainly was right. Like one of your generations defining defensive defensemen and not just from an abs perspective, from an NHL perspective, he was one of the best of the best in that role in the entire league for a long time. Yep. Uh, and then number six, Hey Luke, uh, he's the guy who is going to have all his records chased down over the next mm -hmm. handful of years by the guys ahead of him. Uh, we all talked abs only records. Yeah. Abs yeah. only fair, fair. Uh, yeah, Megan and I talked about him quite a bit yesterday, so if you want more in-depth on that, you can go check that out. 1,000 games played, 800 points, 50-goal season. <laughs> like 12 street, 20-plus goal seasons, which is where I think he takes off running with Tangay. Like, very similar points production, except Milan Hayduk did it for a very long time yep. and did it in an Avs uniform. So That kind of consistency is extremely rare. Yep. Yeah, I think we're looking at the Avs' depth like, wow, We've really taken for granted like some of these years where players could produce not to put Milan Hiduk in the depth by any means, but it's just like 20 goal seasons aren't exactly easy to come by. And I think yeah. the whole of the Avs forward group could attest to that last year outside of Mika Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon. Yep. It's, it really is. I don't want to undersell how impressive doing stuff like that is in the NHL because yeah. well, I you mean, see you look dudes at a guy who, like Alandi. Yeah, exactly. Like, he played an entire season, and yeah, it was a disaster of a season. Milan Hedig didn't start running into disasters <laughs> of seasons until he was 36. Yep. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, following a knee surgery. <laughs> right. Like, 
he's so he, he'd had a full ass NHL career mm. before he started struggling to keep up with the league. Uh. On that note, as we move into the top five, be sure you're getting your shady rays on because it's a it's a bright bunch. They burn bright in the top five. Uh, get yours at shadyrays.com. Use code DNVR when you order. If you get two pairs or more, you get fifty percent off. They have dozens of styles and polarizations that you can use. Rated five stars by over two hundred and fifty thousand people. Uh, and if you lose them, break them, or just don't like them in the first thirty days, they will replace them for completely free. ShadyRays.com. Go check them out. Get your Shady Rays today. And then, if you have had the unfortunate situation of being on the ice playing against Adam Foote, you might need Bacchus and Shanker. Call 222-2222 today. If you've been injured, whether it's a car accident or at work, if it's on a scooter downtown, rideshare situation, on your bike, you name it. If it's not your fault, they've got your back. They'll give you a free consultation at the two number. If you have a case, they'll take it on for nothing. You don't pay until you win your case. They just want to get you the money that you deserve. So go check them out at Bacchus and Shanker today. Uh, you can go to coloradolaw.net or call the two number. Uh, have the free consultation and uh, get what you deserve. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I'm assuming we'll go through these pretty quickly because no one's going to not know who any of these guys are. Yeah. Uh, at number five, we have Kale McCarr. Yeah. And he won't be at five for all that long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, has obviously an opportunity to finish. Um, I think he'll probably finish ahead of Nathan McKinnon. When yeah, I, I done. would agree, and there's a really good chance he will hold every Avalanche defensive scoring record at the end of this season. The upcoming season. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's pretty stupid to even like consider that he's already there. Yeah, and, and McCarr's built different. All I right. didn't love that he fell to 11 in the overall. How did <laughs> could that have? I guess. Well, the guys, so all the guys ahead of him are guys that were, that had similar peaks to Kale, but they also had some level of longevity. Or like Peyton Manning was ahead of him on the list, right? And Peyton Manning had set like NFL records and stuff. And so that's where it's like, if you give Kale McCarr four more years, he he'll could be win, right he up could there. He could win two yeah. or three Norrises. You know, um, he could win another, he could win an M, he could be a, a defenseman that wins a Hart Trophy. He could be. He could win another Conn Smythe. Like all the things that we that have happened already in Kale, Kale's career, it's just going to be about repeating them. Because once he starts to stack them up, he could end up. I mean, like, I think I think he is the only guy on this list that could chase down the top three in Colorado sports history. Um, and the guys that are in the top three that we had on our list right now are, for me, well, an extremely obvious three. Yeah, same. Um, you're talking, you're talking MVPs, championships. Like, they've done absolutely everything that you could do in an NHL career. Kel McCarr has also done that, but in four years instead of ten years of greatness. So that's the only thing stopping Kel McCarr is that we made this list this year and not five years from now. And when we make it five years from now, he will be much higher on this list. I think. I said in my write-up of him that he could make the top five eventually. Yep. I think, and not just in like I want to clarify, not in abs, but in no, oh yeah, in, in the entirety of, of the list. Yeah, yep. just to be clear. Agreed. Yeah, when I said he could chase down top three, I meant the top twenty-five whole list. Okay, yep. good. Yes, absolutely. Just to clarify, that's exactly where I think Kale is headed. Number four, Nathan McKinnon. Again, yeah. There's nothing we can say that you don't already know about this guy. 
Uh, yep. he, he arguably is the second best player in the world right now. What else do you need to say? If anybody was curious about Makar, uh, he already is tied in Avalanche history for most postseason points by a defenseman. Yep. With Sandus Oselinch, and he did it. He needed 21 fewer games to do it. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. So Pro- just probably yeah. would be ahead of him if he didn't get suspended for that one game. Good. <laughs> I'm leaving it alone. <laughs> and Com- everyone. Coming for you, Seattle. Everyone knows who the top three are going to be. Number three, Peter Forsberg. I will die on the hill that if he was healthier and had a longer career, he could be even number one. But because of the injuries and because of him not staying in Colorado, it's pretty clear that he's number three. I want to put it on record that if somebody really pounded the table for putting McKinnon over Forsberg, I would hear it. I think you could have the conversation. In a couple years, it will just be what it is. Yeah, because McKinnon, McKinnon has already passed him up in a couple of things. So I don't think it's ridiculous at all that that ends up there. The injury did rob him. Yep. But it is what it is. 25 surgeries. Oh, Jesus. That's just heartbreaking to think about. But what he's able to have accomplished in spite of that is yeah. impressive. Number two, the greatest goalie of all time, Patrick Waugh. Dominic Hoshik didn't play for the abs. Nah, shut up. <laughs> yeah. You don't even believe that. I don't. <laughs> uh, look, yeah, again, Patrick Waugh is Patrick Waugh. The Avs probably don't win either of their first two cups without him. Wins a con Smythe. Wins a con Smythe. He's... The only thing he didn't do in Colorado was win a Vesna. Yep. And uh, nobody does that in Colorado, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, best you can do is second place. <laughs> uh, and then number one, of course, it's Joe Sackick. Yeah. The all-time captain of the franchise. Also has now won a cup as a GM. Has, if you include Quebec... Basically untouchable franchise records. Like, it's just ridiculous, some of the numbers he's put up. Nathan McKinnon has basically no shot. He would have to play, like, till 40 at the rate that he's currently playing. Well, because the first couple of years of his career were so slow, and they just weren't for Joe Yep, He showed up, was awesome, and stayed awesome. Yep. Guy had a 100-point season when he was, like, 37. Silly. Silly to even think about. Which, when it happened, I was like, yeah, he's Joe Sackick, of course. And now, you know, I've gotten older, and I see much more of, like, oh, if Joe Pavelski had that, or if Joe Thornton had a season like that, we would all be losing, losing the shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Those guys, uh, those are, I think those, those are an easy one. Those guys are all-time greats, just in the NHL. Yeah. And they've been an easy top three for a very long time for the yeah. Evs, and in four or five years, they might not be anymore. Eh, Joe still will be. But. Joe still will be. Yeah. It's going to be hard to, to track him down. Yeah. Uh, the only guy I think that has a chance is Makar. And it would probably require a couple of 100-point seasons, <laughs> a handful of Norris. Like, if he... Kill McCarr wins like four or five Norris trophies and yeah, maybe I, another Con Smythe, multiple Stanley Cups. Like, yeah, okay, you're good. This is to beat Joe Sackick, you're talking about a guy saying, like, is McCarr the greatest defenseman ever? Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's telling that we don't even think that's off the table. Right. <laughs> Fair. Uh, that's all I got. Anything you want to add? No. 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 Good. All right. Tune uh, in tomorrow's D- TDSP for. Uh, yeah, for the full 25 Colorado yeah. list. Uh, 3.30. Also, today, last day to get the discount on the DNVR Die Hard. Make sure yeah. you're getting in on that. You can get uh, 20 bucks off right now. Uh, get a year's worth of content. Uh, we already mentioned it. We actually are about to go to a meeting that's going to set some pretty cool stuff up for us coming this season. So 
Should be should be a lot of cool stuff coming your way. We'll have a lot of both non-diehard and diehard content. So if you want to support us, do that. Get yourself a free shirt. Good times all the way around. We're going to get out of here. We got to go. Uh, making Kale's life awful as he's got to do another show immediately, probably. <laughs> we appreciate y'all, and we will see you tomorrow. Bye.